0: (laughs)
1: B.S.ing with who? B.S.ing with what? B.S.ing with John K. B.S.ing with who? B.S.ing with what? B.S.ing with John K. B.S.ing with who? B.S.ing with what? B.S.ing with John K. B.S.ing with John
0: K. Okay, so. This is the BSing with Sean K. Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Neese. Um, For those of you who are new listeners to my podcast, what I do is I uh, interview people who are not living the typical 9-to-5 lifestyle and are pursuing their passions instead. And that ranges from artists, musicians, activists, comedians, bloggers... Anybody who's creating their own content or choosing a path in life that's outside the norms of what everyone else is doing. And for this episode, I'm going to play you an interview I did with punk legend Steve Ignorant, who's most famous for co-founding the British anarcho-punk band Crass. It was really cool to talk to him because uh, he doesn't just write about political and social issues in his music, Uh, you know, he does activism in his everyday life, and he actually works to try to change things in his everyday life. Um, And most recently, he's been volunteering as a crew member for Sea Pauling's independent lifeboat service. So he's been rescuing people and saving people from drowning out at sea. And that's actually why there was a lot of sound quality issues uh, while I was interviewing him, because he was near the sea where there wasn't great reception uh, and that's why it, it cut out a bit of times as I was talking to him. But overall, the sound quality came out good. I do apologize, though. He's also, since crass, he's been involved in other bands, most recently Slice of Life. And he's written, published an autobiography called The Rest is Propaganda. I had a good chat with him. It was truly a pleasure to have him on the show. So I hope you enjoy the interview. So I guess... Uh, First off, we want to talk about the music you're doing now and uh, some of the other stuff you're doing because you've been doing a lot now and since you've... I know you're uh, most famous for what you did with Crass but you've been doing a lot uh, now so maybe just start off talking about that and uh, what everything that's going on now music-wise and everything else.
1: Well, I'm working with uh, a new band that I started about Two two and a half years ago, maybe longer. I can't really remember. But we've only started. We've only, you know it's only the past two years that we've actually really been concentratedly gigging, uh, you know, around the country. And basically, it's a quartet um, made up of myself, um, Carol Hodge on um, electric piano, Pete Rowe on bass, and Pete Wilson, uh, Pete Wilson on Wilkinson Wilson on. Uh, acoustic guitar um and i don't know if you've heard it or not but for anyone out there it's so i mean a lot mellower, um but it's still got the same you know hopefully um same punch direct you know directive directness um that you know my lyrics have always had um and with that i mean basically the idea of, of doing that was that um i wanted to strip you know, the whole thing right down to the bare bones again. Um, I mean, it really came to me when I was on stage at Shepherds Bush doing the for the last time. And I thought, if I'd been a 17-year-old kid who walked in and saw us on stage at that time, I'd have thought, you know, there was no way, no way at all I'd ever be able to to be in a band because we were so polished and, and, and so good. And, you know, when you see something that's so good, you think, I'll never be able to do that. So I thought, well, I'll strip it all right down again and um and just playing very small intimate places uh, and uh, just play these very simple little tunes hopefully that'll inspire people to pick up guitars or whatever they want to, to pick up and so that's what we're doing you know and the shows that we do that i do slice of life are you know very very intimate i mean the, the biggest crowd we'll get if you know if we headline would be 70 people maybe so we're playing very small bars and uh, very small clubs and stuff and i'm you know we're really enjoying it. Um, and then I'm also working with a band called Paranoid Visions from Dublin, um, which is a lot more uh, rocky, um, if you like. Um, and it's nice to be working with them uh, because they're coming across with a different—they're coming across with an Irish angle, uh, which I'm helping to contribute to. So, so, and we're playing bigger venues with that. So, on one hand, I'm doing this—you know nice semi-acoustic. You know, melodic thing. On the other hand, I'm still getting the rocks off doing the heavy rock stuff and being able to sort of pose around like a tarp uh, with paranoid visions. I've got the best of both worlds, really.
0: So, uh, I guess, is this, uh, are you now uh, like exploring like a style of music you've kind of always wanted to explore? And maybe this is, uh, it's, it opens, I guess, new doors for like what you can do with it, I guess, because it's it's not. It's, uh, it's a little different than, you know, the punk stuff you were doing before, maybe. I mean, I know it still has, like, the punk spirit and everything, but.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, what it's, you know, the, the thing I really like about it is that it's allowing me to, um, you know, not only experiment lyrically, you know, I've always been a bit of a puppet. Um, but it's, you know, it's allowing me to pick up some of the old lyrics I wrote years ago. When I was Some of the stuff I even wrote when I was in Crest, but we never used it because it, it, it didn't fit. Um, so I'm taking some of those ideas literally from years and years ago, but what it's helping me do is is develop as a, certainly as a vocalist, um, because you know, both Karen and Pete are incredible uh, vocalists. So I'm getting more confident and, and actually starting to sing, believe it or not, you know, sing tunes, which I never used to before, rather than just shouting playing around with, with the structures of songs. And it's it's really, you know, gratifying for me to at last feel that, yeah, you know, I am a proper musician. I'm a proper lyricist and, you know, I'm really working on it. And, you know, people that come to see us are really enjoying it because it's not, you know, it's it's not an avant-garde thing and it's totally, you know, it's something that that is obviously evolved out of what I did before. Um, so that's really, really great.
0: So, um, I guess, uh, like, what what inspires your lyrics, and like, how do you how do you go about songwriting, and what's the process and everything?
1: Well, different ways, really. I mean, it can come from a simple. I mean, I got in from I went to the pub last night, and uh, I got indoors. And I was just about to get into bed, and I was like, "Oh God, here it goes." And I suddenly got these lyrics going through my head, so I just sit on the side of the bed, scribbling down on a bit. Actually, I've not looked at it, but there's some lyrics up there that are going to be not very good but at least they're a start you know so i'll leave it for a couple of days go and read them again and start building around it and that sounded you know that sometimes that's just how a song starts other times if it's about a specific thing you know the whole process can take from i can write a song sometimes i've written a song in a couple of hours um but other times it, it can take a couple of weeks you know it, it's it's really strange and I suppose most of my material is is I'm getting from just people watching. Really, I mean, even though I'm not on the front line anymore as I was with Crass, you know, and sort of out there on the street sort of thing. I'm when I go to my local pub, um, you know, I'm still on the front line because the, most of the blokes in there are, you know, you know, they're still, you've still got racism, you've still got sexism, you've still got you know, all this sort of stuff going on. Um, so, and I'm forever having arguments down there. So, you know, I'm still on the front line and that's that's where it's coming from. Just people watching, really. And sort of what idiots people are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess, uh, what could you say about music's uh, role in, as far as addressing social and political issues and I guess what it can do to spread awareness or help change things
1: well I, I think it almost has done hasn't it i mean i was as far back as i can remember it has i mean i you know the first you know music i ever heard that really moved me uh, in my life and almost moved me to t- moved me to tears was when my sister took me as a as a young kid to see a film called west side story and um you know i think everybody knows what that, that Film and you know is about you know and it's sort of based on Romeo and Juliet, but I mean it's it's about racism and it's about tribalism and it's you know about hatred and all this kind of thing and, and dare I say it, you know the sort of class system as well. Um, so even way back in the fifties when you know I think that's when it was written, you know that was that was uh, um, addressing the social the social system and then you know obviously being a skinhead when I was twelve thirteen years old listening to ska music, you know, and you listen to Toots and the Matles, you know, a song like 54, 54, 5, you know, and that's about his prison number that he had, you know, when he got arrested for mugging someone at knife point, you know, or pointing a pistol, you know. You know, most of the music I've listened to, I suppose, about, you know, The Who, you know, is about social comment, isn't it? I mean, you know, all of it. It's only sort of the wishy-washy stuff, like, you know, the stuff that came out in the 80s, you know, like Gary Newman. And, you know, we, we, it was just that was just pure pop, you know. But I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. The last thing I want to do when I come in at night is to bang on a sort of, you know, really heavy, deep, meaningful. Record. No, I want to listen to Dionne Warwick or something like that. You know, and just chill out. You know, Temptations or something. Um, you know, I can appreciate that that sort of music. But I would, you know, I would say on the whole, um, that the music is almost that. look at the, you know, the original blues, you know, and all that sort of Woody Guthrie. You know, all the country things and stuff, you know, it's it's always been social comment, isn't it? So I suppose, you know, in a way I'm not, you know, I suppose in a way I'm just sort of carrying carrying on, doing that same sort of thing. I can't. I mean, I'll tell you the truth. If I could, you know, lovey dovey crap song that was sold, you know, thousands at Christmas, you know, I'd do it, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how the hell do you come up with an idea like the Bay City Rollers or all those, you know, shang lang How do you how do you get those lyrics in your head? You know, I've got this great idea for a song. It goes, Shang-A-Lang, shang lang and that's all it is, and it sells a million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't understand yeah. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess what, was, what can you say about uh, how – Punk was uh, when it started and what it was like first getting into the scene and how do you think it's different today or has it lost its meaning in any way or is, do you think it's still alive the way it was when
1: it started well I don't think it's lost its meaning it's very easy for me you know, on and, and the sort of dare I say the uniform of punk um and i think that you know that for me when when i first got into punk that was back in 1977 and uh, it really was about being in, you know finding your own identity um so you you know there wasn't the punk uniform where right? You'd saw a lot of spiky hair around but i mean people were wearing they weren't not everyone wasn't wearing leather jackets couldn't afford it for a start It would too expensive Hardly anyone wore the, the bondage trousers that John Rotten was wearing on stage because, you know, they were sort of $40 a pair at the time, which was, you know, that was two weeks wages over here. Um, so people was just raiding the the thrift stores, I think. And so people were just getting, you know, old men's trousers and just putting them together and, um, and I you know, and then some outfit got the right idea of, the uh, punk and selling um, punk clothing, which everyone started buying because it was more convenient. And I think that's when the sort of identity of punk sort of lost it a bit because it stopped being a bad individual and just wearing this uniform that said, I'm a punk rocker and this is what I listen to, kind of thing. Um but, I mean, I in '77 it was so exciting and dangerous. I mean, it's incredibly dangerous to be a punk rocker in those in those days. I mean, you, if you went out with funny coloured hair, you know, you still, it's too one that you wouldn't get a black eye by the end of the evening. someone's got a clump here. um and that sort of you know, it's that kind of thing that's gone there. Thank God, you know, I mean, it's the, the world is more accepting. But I, you know, I don't think that um, you know the the punk rockers t- today sort of feel any less um you know i was going to say indignant but um any less um uh, intense about it um but i, th- I think you know the, the whole thing about punk rock is that you know if you're a punk you don't just wear it you are it and you never forget it um and once you've got it it stays with you for life um i you know i i, I can't let go of my punk values Uh, And I don't think I've well uh, Maybe it gives. Maybe you know you could swap the word punk for conscience because it gives you.
0: And uh, so, like, how how did uh, you first? um, Like, how did you become? I guess like an anarchist, and how did you like your interest in like political activism and uh, you know human rights, animal rights? How did that all? I guess uh, first develop.
1: Well, it was quite, a, it was just like an organic thing, really. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. I mean, we started off being a punk band, uh, and that's all we were going to do. Um, we were just out for fun. We had no political aspirations at all. Um, we weren't even all work at the same time. It was only when someone fucks up the washing machine and everything came out black, you know, that we all wore black, and that is the honest truth, right? Um, but uh, it's we got... You know, the bigger we got, um, we got approached by the right wing um, politicos here in England. And they said, well, you know, we'd like you to, you know, we'd like to affiliate with you. And we went, no, thanks. We're not. We're not right wing. We're not interested in politics. And they went, well, in that case, you must be lefties. So then we got approached by the left wing who said, you know, we'd like to affiliate ourselves with you and blah, blah. And we said, we're not political. We're not left wing. And I said, well, if you're not left wing, you must be right wing. So then we were stuck in the middle of this sort of thing. What, what the fuck are we? Some of us bothered, to, you know, we'll be anarchists then, because that's non-political. That's about respect for yourself as a person, a human being. Most people's idea of an anarchist in those days, um, when I saw the you know in circle, was of a bearded bloke wearing a beret throwing a bomb. So we thought, well, just to counteract that, we'd, counteract that. we'd better make, let everyone know that we're pacifists. So that's when we put the CND flag up as well. So in the end, that's why Crass. if you went to a quest uh, concert all those years ago, there were so many banners, because it was all trying to, to describe what we weren't. You know, we were just just a bunch of people being in a band, and we got pulled into this sort of political thing. Um, but then when we became, you know, obviously became aware of the right-wing element, um, and the left-wing, um, to some extent, causing trouble at gigs, um, then we started to get more involved in it. Um and it, it was, you know, well, you know, I'm I'm still not left wing, I'm still not right wing, you know, I'm just me. Um and I think that's what a lot of people clicked onto in those days and started running around, you know, and I think we you know I've never been one for I get very bored very quickly with the, the whole political thing, you know, it doesn't just doesn't interest me. You know, all I'm interested in is the you know, the rights and wrongs of the world and I can see what they are quite clearly. Um and I think for For people who came to Crass gigs, I mean, we weren't getting uh, Crass concerts. We weren't getting the the good-looking punk rockers and all this. We were getting the real misfits. We were getting, you know, 14-year-old kids at our gigs. You know, the kids who were outcasts at school, you know, they weren't even cool enough uh, to be able to fit into the punk rock thing because they didn't have the right shoes. or They didn't have the right haircut. Uh, We had the skinny, lanky kid who got... You know, the, uh, got the piss taken out of them on Sports Day, but um, the kid with braces on his teeth, or the, the kid with spots—you know, all that kind of thing—and <clears throat> um, that, and that's who you know where our following came from. And I thought, well, that's difficult. I mean, we got to work in. It's, you know, we've got to start in our own back garden first, and then we'll go on to the bigger picture. And then, of course, as time went on, we got approached by various organisations from all, all over Europe. Um, wanted to get in with them. I mean, there was this you know, real hardline Italian panic dodgy in Sicily. I can't remember what it was, but I will kept count me out. Um, because it, and it because it otherwise it would have stopped being stopped being a band and would just have been a political party. We had to trend very, um, so we just sort of all the time we were we just sort of. Um, yeah, we, you know, we're personal politics. We're not party politics, and that's what we, you know, try to aim at.
0: And um, I guess uh, so. How does would you say what you're doing now with the sea polling, uh, independent lifeboat, the rescue work you're doing? Uh, how would you say? I guess that kind of, in some ways, is similar, maybe to the the activism you've always done, or maybe. Is, it an, is there any similarities, I guess, to like the punk spirit or the punk, uh, I guess, sense of community or whatever? Or...
1: Oh, definitely. Because it's a very small community. I mean, you know, this this village to be living in. Um, and it's probably why, you know, you're having problems with the Skype or whatever. Because we, we're right out in the docks here, I tell you. You know, if, <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> if you walk out my, my back door here, you know, in five minutes, you're at the sea. Uh, and then the next country you'll hit is going to be Denmark. So that's, you know, how extreme it is. Um, but it's a very small community here. Uh, the lifeboat is independent. It's not part of the RNLI, although we work very closely with them, you know, training and stuff like that. But no, there's a great sim- similarity because it's, you know, there's no... All right, you've got a helmsman who, you know, who drives and steers the boat. Um, and then you've got number, number two and number three on the crew. But you've got to have that sort of them all order and stand to attention, you know, and go on parade and all that sort of stuff. It's basically the way it works here is basically if you can give twenty minutes of your time, that's what you give. Um, you know, it's all volunteer, you're not paid for it. Um and it's basically just sort of stepping in and hopefully uh, making a difference to someone's life. So it's it's very similar. I mean the adrenaline rush is there, I mean it's very different, obviously you know, you're sort of helping a drowning person, but it's, 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 yeah, it's very similar. It's, and for me, it was a natural progression. You know, what do you, what does an ex-punk rocker do? Um, certainly if he was in a band called Crass, for fuck's sake, you know, if he's living by the sea and they need a bloke out there in a the freezing cold and sort of risk his life, not on them They're getting paid for it, but still, there you go. <laughs> so- I'd, I'd rather do... I'd, well, I'd rather do that, Sean, than sit in a sort of great big, you know, mansion surrounded by sort of, you know, Playboy women and sort of Donald Trump calling in have afternoon tea with me and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's more, uh, it's more rewarding, maybe like on a deep, uh, on a deeper level, in a way, I guess. To yes, it, it,
1: yes, it, it it really is, you know, and, it, and it's um, it, it's. It's not a, um, you don't get a feeling of, oh, what a hero why I am or anything like that. It's just because it's absolutely frightening when you when you go out there on the sea and you know someone's in trouble. Um, and you've got to get there as quickly as possible. Um, and, you know, touch wood, we've always done that uh, so far. We've had a few hit real scary ones, but it just gives you a real sense of, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, I'm a big, tough sort of lifeboat. Guy, you know, it's just well, you know, all I'm out there, I was available to do it, and oh, that's nice, you know. You know, people come up and say thanks, you know, for helping, and I quite often say it at gigs as well. You know, people come up to me at gigs and say, Steve, I'd just like to say thank you, you know, because Crash life. And I'm not being flippant or anything, but sometimes I'll just say, well, I'll tell you what, buy me a beer, we call it quits.
0: <laughs> so, uh, I guess what was it like getting started, uh, with, uh, the rescuing and uh did you have any experience with anything similar in the past or was it like just totally something new all together when you started
1: no it was totally something new when i started and i i wasn't sure whether i'd be able to do it um but i have and it's been five years now I think. um and um no i had no experience before um, but the, a lot of it comes quite naturally. I mean, you've just got to learn the way around, you know, the various bits of the boat, and, you know, you've just got to learn certain knots and, you know, stuff like that, how to use the radio, you know, communications and stuff, but off the aid, you know, and, and um, you know, your CPR and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's sort of stuff that's useful, you know, and uh, I just find it really interesting and exciting, and, you know, it's keeping me young, I suppose. It's um, just a great thing to do.
0: And uh, so what what else uh, have you been... I know you're still doing, like, uh, benefit concerts and uh, other activism. Uh, what, what can you say about some of the other things going on, I guess, with Slice of Life or uh, whatever other projects you might be working on now?
1: Well, I... Um really just going out there and doing gigs i mean it's funny because a lot of um i and p price of life gigs and you know i do the concert and i you know i spend all night you know if not a lot of it um talking to people because they you know the audience i get are in their 40s and early 50s and they used to come to Crass gigs so, you know, we're quite often just talking about the old days, you know, and our world, But it was with skinheads trying to beat us up and all that sort of thing, you know, and what great fights we had with the right wing and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's a lot of, and meeting people, you know, we, we're at the age now where, you know, there's quite a few old friends that we can't call anymore because they've sort of gone to the other side. Um, and there's a lot of that happening, you know, um, go to go to the slice of life gig and, uh, you know, you've got to see a lot of walking sticks around, you know, and a lot of limping going on and people having populations and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and various twinges. So, um, And it's just talking about that, you know, and, and, you know, none of us getting any getting any younger. And I think we're it's, you know, what what's nice is that we're although we're a, a, aware of our mortality now, which we were before it's it's still nice to see and talk about things, you know, but we all still feel the same. You know, all of us, it's it's not gone away, you know, the, the fact that it's not, we haven't got Margaret Thatcher as a Prime Minister anymore, we've got this idiot called David Cameron, you know, and it's been, every government we've had is just been just as fucking useless. Um, and it's still the same, you know, and, and um, you know, you know, the, the lyrics I'm writing now are more, I suppose, more personal, but hopefully they're sort of, um, you know, other people sort of know what I feel like that as well. You know, I mean, I you know, for example, I'm, um, I've am i written a song which is going to be about, um, I, you know, because I tend to suffer from this um, um, seasonal disorder, you know, um, and quite a few people I know suffer from it as well, certainly, um, you know, um, performers where you just get these days, where you just don't want to get out curl up in a ball under a duvet and you can't describe why um you just your confidence totally goes um you just feel that everything you've done is useless that you are useless and um and it can last for up to you know four days some people get it longer mine is usually like two to three days so i'm got i've written a song and it's all about that you know and i'm i'm going to find out um if there's some sort of organisation and, you know, I'm going to try and do a thing where if people download it or something, then proceeds can go to some sort of organisation to help people with severe depression and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's it's sort of touching on that rather than, you know, I, you know, I don't like the government. Of course I don't like the government. You know, all those songs have been written, you know, anti-nuclear, you know, and it's for younger people to do, now. mine is, you know, the lyrics I'm doing now are far more to do, with, you know, Will get, get deal with that never existed before.
0: So it's maybe, uh I guess, issues that haven't been talked about as much. Maybe, or that you, you just want to spread more awareness to because I guess you feel that, like, just the the anti-government lyrics or some of the other political issues are maybe covered a bit more. I guess is what you're saying, or.
1: Well, well, not only that, but it's just like, you know, just because you you hit your 50s, you know, your 40s or your 50s, don't feel that, you know, you're past it because you're not. You know, there's no reason why you shouldn't feel the some way and there's no reason why you shouldn't sort of still be out there doing something in some way, you know. Basically, don't stagnate. Um, And if you still feel the same way, then still complain. Uh, You know, I'm not going to give up. Um, But it's, I can't, you know, yeah, you're right, Sean. It's, you know what's the point in me writing a song now, like, um, or, um, I don't know, big a little a or something. It's, you know, I've already done that. I can't, you know, why, why, why should I do it again? Sort of thing. Um, so it's just trying to find a different direction. Um, and that's all really, you know, just sort of, and hoping that people like it, you know, I can't, 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 you know, I can't, I can't say that there's a sort of definite, you know, um, a definite, um, what's the bloody word? Oh, program that I'm working to, so, you know, oh, I'm doing this because of this sort of thing. It's just I do these things and hopefully something comes out of it.
0: And uh, I guess, like, uh, what do you hope to see for the future of punk and uh, I guess anarchism and like act, political activism and everything else? Like, what do you hope happens in the future? and with the generations to come.
1: Well, I hope that we get rid of all, all that sound weird. I hope that we get a, um, a, you know, we finally, or someone at some point, finally gets to live in a world that's full of peace and love and not hate and war. And I know that's very cliche, but basically that's, that's what I hope. You know, I, I hope that all this stupid, you know, hurting each other, you know, will just sort of, fuck off and go away, because it's ridiculous, it's stupid, you know, but, um, this racial fear and tension that's always been around, you know, I really hope that it goes away, you know. Uh, I don't know, it's just, it sounds like a bloody dream, it? you know, and that's the shame of it, because it shouldn't be, you know, um, and what, I, what do I hope is that one day there'll be a punk rocker President of the United States, and there'll be a punk rocker um, mm-hmm. Prime Minister of England, <laughs> um, you know, or something like that you know, every time, you know, a younger politician comes on this thing, lost. You, know, you know, they've not got this embittered sort of thing on them. Every time they just turn out the same, you know, it's just again, exasperating, you know. And that's all.
0: So, uh, I guess, do you think, like, maybe I guess just the political system is the, the first step and then, like, First, the political system needs to change, but then maybe, I guess, people's uh, human nature needs to change too. So, like, it just doesn't. All the bad stuff doesn't just start again. I guess with the new, with a different system or whatever.
1: Well, absolutely, you know, and, and uh, you know, and of course, religion's got to be in there somewhere as well because that's causing a lot of fucking trouble. Um, and you know, something's got to happen there because it's just stupid. Um, but, yeah, I mean, fuck knows how you'd do it, but that's basically what it's got to be As people's... And I've always said it, you know, people's attitudes have got to change, you know. Um, I mean, even yesterday, a friend of mine, he's a really good friend, um, and he, he came down the, the, down to the pub on his bike, on his bicycle, and he left it outside. And uh, and all of a sudden he, got, he went, oh, there's three Eastern Europeans outside, and I'm worried they're going to nick my... And I went, why would, why would they nick your bicycle that cost you sort of $50? You know, it's, it's a lump of old crap, you know. <laughs> Look at their car, that costs more than my house. <laughs> and it was, but it was just this funny latent, and I thought, even you've got it, you know. And, and that's the sort of stuff that's got to stop, This fear. And, and, you know, come on, let's we've had, we've had centuries of this sort of bullshit. Ain't it about, this is the millennium or whatever it is, you know. Ain't it about time he fucking grew up, you know, and got on with it. I mean, really got on with it. You know, it's, I don't know, sometimes i just get lost for words.
0: <laughs> and where do you think uh, that fear comes from? I guess the media and just the way... It... Oh, def-
1: yeah, definitely, definitely the media, yeah. Um, I mean, the way the media talks in this country, you'd think there was a um, an Eastern European, Syrian, Muslim, bomb-throwing, fucking pedophile rapist waiting behind every tree, jumping, you <laughs> you walk home at night, you know, it's... it's... <laughs> It's just but that's what causes it. You know, it really is the media if they would shut the fuck up or at least You know be responsible then maybe it would be a bit better, you know, but it's um, you know They certainly don't help
0: and I guess uh, Maybe on do you think the internet helps at all like is an alternative? to like the mainstream media like I, I know there's a lot of bullshit on the internet as well but like maybe as far as getting out ideas that maybe wouldn't be in the television as much or like oh, I you think know, through like a podcast, like what we're doing now or.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll definitely show me. I, I think it's, you know, as much as you say, there's a load of bullshit out there, you know, but I think you stand a fit, a, a better chance of getting, um, a, an unbiased and realistic view of what's going on, you know, off the internet. Um, so I think that's a good thing about it. So, uh, I
0: guess, why do you think, uh, punk I guess first really took off in the UK of all places was it uh, I guess the political system there like was it like a sort of a classist system maybe yeah
1: yeah. I I think also it's just that it came out of desperation you know that people weren't prepared to take it anymore Um, whatever it was you know it was just humdrum boredom sterile crap that we were living in Um, and all of a sudden it was like you know all the hippies tried it and they said look we want a better world, please. Whereas punk rock came along and said, we want a better world. And we ain't fucking asking, you know, and I think that was the difference that it was like, we ain't asking now. We're telling, we are demanding a better world. And I, th- um, and I think that's, you know, that put an idea into people's heads and it's like, no, I'm not going to be the underdog anymore. I'm, I am an equal. Um, I am. Uh, I've got as much right to be on this planet as anybody else. And I want to fucking take it. And I think that's what the appeal was. Um, all right if i can't afford the clothes I'll make my own all right if I can't afford um a guitar I'll steal it um okay if i can't play um if I can't play a guitar i'll just make a noise on it if i can't afford a set of drums I'll use a biscuit tin um if i can't sing i'll recite poetry i'll make films you know all of this stuff came out and it still carries on to it, and those people have gone on to you know get your own recording studios or, or become authors filmmakers you know um so this whole sort of um nichehmash you know i mean look at the um you know you can go to anywhere uh, certainly anywhere in america and so anywhere in England um you can go into any uh you know any bar or pub you know as we call them and you can get a you can get a vegetarian meal. Um and that's something that came out of punk, oh, I believe. You know, the, the the um reclaim the streets thing. Um that's definitely you know, was a, a came out of uh, punk rock. You know, the um the um anti nuclear movement, you know, the anti what everything definitely came out of punk rock. Um so it's you know, it was a huge thing, you know, and people forget too soon. What an inspiration it was, and it just sort of happened. No one sort of suddenly said, "Oh, let's do this." It was all of a sudden. Everyone had the same idea. Really, that's what frightened the establishment because they couldn't find a ringleader. They tried with the Sex Pistols, but then it quickly, you know, oh, well, they're just a band, sort of saying naughty words and things. Um, but um, you know, not that I'm knocking the Pistols because I thought they were great, but. Um, It was the next wave that came along that were far, you know, like your crass and your conflict and, you know, your Black Flags and your Dead Kennedys that really started rocking the boat, you know, really in a big way. Um, And that's when the establishment really got scared.
0: And I guess it was also because they didn't just talk about in their lyrics, like uh, your band and, uh, you know, the Dead Kennedys were involved in activism and, you know, still are. So I guess that was a big idea.
1: absolutely and it inspired a lot of other people to do that as well you know so that when you went to um when you went to gigs after people would see things like dead kennedys and would take ideas from that you know and get involved in activism fantastic you know really great
0: and uh i guess what can you say about how promotion for like punk music has changed like uh, i imagine it was more challenging back in the day just with i guess fanzines and uh Maybe like, I guess, tra- like uh, tape trading, I guess, was done or, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, very, funny, you know, I mean, you wonder how, how we sort of ever did it. I mean, we, Crash used to get um, gigs just by asking people, you know, and, and we, uh, there was no internet. There was no mobile phones in those days, just had landline phones. So it used to be just telephone calls and using the Royal Mail which used to take up to sort of four days before you got a letter back you know so um and it was like very sort of you know um uh, almost like you know sounds like a pun you know but it's not um but al- almost like it was safety pinned together you know and just sort of held on there but incredibly exhilarating you know and but we did it you know i mean somehow we we of did it i think you know, maybe obviously now promotion is a lot easier because of things like this you know, and you've got the internet and and stuff and you know, Facebook and whatever so promotion is a lot easier Um, but I don't see that as a bad thing, you know I mean, um, you know, I just think it's you use whatever's there Um, you know, and a lot of people, you know, I love the, you know, can put a download on, on the internet and it will get thousands of bloody hits and stuff, you know and if it's a meaningful thing, fantastic it's great
0: so, uh, do you worry about uh it becoming commercialized or that in some ways it's like some of it oh, behavior? yeah, but
1: uh, well, Sean, I, I think punk got commercialized back in 1977, <laughs> you know, back, back, I mean, seriously. Um, so i uh, not, um, um, you know, you you see bands on MTV or whatever the bloody program is, you know, and they're supposed to be punk rock and there's no way they're punk rock. They're just making a similar sort of noise, you know, and sort of saying a few choice words in there, maybe making a, but there's, you know, it's, I can't, you know, it's really funny because I thought, am I turning into a grumpy old, you know, because everything I, you know, sometimes I'm flicking through my TV channels, and like the other the other week, I was like, "Oh, R and B." Oh, well, I'll, I'll watch a bit of that because it's going to be, you know, it's uh, you know going to be James Brown and all that sort of thing. And that one, it was all these, it was all these little girls jumping around in their underwear. You know, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? This is like blues. What the fuck is this? Um, and, I, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand it. And all right, they might be really good performers, you know, and, and you know, maybe they're really nice people, but what they're doing, I mean, there's no soul to it. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no guts or nothing. It's like, come on, you know, you're young, fucking get out there, get in, do something, you know. It's, um, and I think that's the difference when you see a proper, you know, and you know what I mean by a proper punk band. You go to a gig, you know, some grotty little place and they're pumping it out and sweating away and, you know, really going for it. And, literally out of tune but you don't give a shit because you're having a really good time and then you, you can see the polished sort of you know um because what talent sort of thing out there and you're just like oh yeah there we go the sausage machine is running again you know yeah that's yeah that's the sort of stuff your mum likes okay you can keep you can tell the difference you know i mean if it, the, the real punk rock will never go away it's always going to be there no matter how much they try and buy it up polish it it's always going to be there. It's always going to be Rebels. It's always going to be there. So, you know, I'm not worried about it at all.
0: And I guess if uh, anything, like, gets a sort of a following, it's hard to avoid, I guess, you know, like, uh, like corp- I guess, corporation, like, the corporate record labels like, latching onto it and using it as, a, as something to sell. I guess a similar thing happened with hip-hop, in a way, because that started kind of, like, as a music... Like of the people and then now it's you know just all about like marketing and like selling and everything so
1: yeah absolutely yeah i was talking to someone else about the hip-hop thing because i've always been into it you know um got into it with grandmaster flash years ago and uh, mm-hmm. africa bambasa and at those times it was really difficult to find their stuff their records over here so um really difficult and, uh, and I loved it. I just thought it was great. I felt I felt it was something really similar to, to what punk was doing, you know, the the l- lyrically. Um, but now um, I can't get I can't get into it at all because it's nothing to do with. I don't understand. Sort of giving it large come from the ghetto, and yeah, all their video stuff is them sort of wearing very expensive clothes and driving around in big cars and sort of. I don't know, talking about how much money they've got and sort of these women with big tits and arses hanging. You know, I don't sort of, sorry, I don't sort of understand it. Maybe it's because I'm English. You know, I don't know, but it, I don't I don't get it. Um, but there's some hip-hop stuff that goes if it's called hip-hop still um, that um, I've heard snatches of in England. Uh, and it's very fucking street level, you know, and, and quite frightening. Um, when you listen to it, because it's, that's definitely coming from, we, you call them projects, I think, we call them council estates, um, and it's from that sort of level, Um, and it's, it's very in your face, um, and in that, you know, but it's quite intimidating, you know, or or sort of challenging, Um, but I I think it's great, the proper stuff is great, again, it's the proper stuff, isn't it, so yeah, I agree with what you're saying, Sean, Um, when it gets commercialised, it's what we said before, isn't it, it gets commercialised, polished, you know, and, and sort of, and loses its edge and just becomes about making profit and the circle goes on
0: yeah but i guess that uh the good stuff will always be there you just have to know where to look for it, is what you're saying yeah 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 absolutely and uh i guess so what what do you have what's your latest news uh with your music and what do you have planned for the future
1: Right, well, but basically I, I've been in the studio, I've recorded um, a cover of a, a Rust DC song called West One um, with Paranoid Visions and download. Um, every time someone downloads it, the money produced will go directly to see the Independent Lifeboat. Um, I've got to go back in the studio um, and mix a track, a couple of tracks I did with some Polish people um, who perform... Um, Romana, you know, Roman-Egyptian um, folk songs um, from Europe, uh, where I'm actually singing in Polish, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, and then later on, I'm in, um, your battery is running low, 10%, Yona. Um, and um, it's uh, going into record uh, an album for Slice of Life, which hopefully will be out next year at some point, but I don't know when. And in between now, I'm doing gigs with Slice of Life and with Paranoid Visions. So uh, it's going to be pretty busy.
0: So uh, I guess uh, maybe anything we haven't covered or anything else you'd like to say?
1: Um, Well, if that's all right with you, I think, you know, you got any more questions you want to ask?
0: Um, I mean, I think we're good. I mean, maybe if uh, you just want to... Let people know where they can keep updated or whatever. I don't know. Let, I guess, let, but, I mean, they'll let, probably already know. I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, um, if you go on um um, Steve, um page, uh, then you'll get all the information there. So don't ask me the uh, bloody email address of it or anything because I don't know, Sean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll post. Uh, yeah, I'll post a link in the description and everything. Yeah. And all that okay, so. nice
1: yeah. one.
0: So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on and BSing on this episode of uh, BSing with Sean K. It was great to have you on.
1: So. Sean, it's been a pleasure, so. and uh, I'm sorry it took so long to find you know to get it together, but hey, we've done it, and uh, I enjoyed it.
0: Okay, so thank you all for listening to this episode of BSing with Sean K. Uh, yeah, so I should have more episodes coming in the near future. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's BSing with Sean K, Facebook BSing with Sean K as well. And of course, uh there's my blog spot, BSing with Sean K. There's a link to my feed that you can subscribe to there. And um Yeah, that was I'm I'm really glad to get that interview out there and uh if you want to keep up with what Steve Ignorant's doing, uh, you can find him on his Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Steve Ignorant Official. I'll post a link in the description. And uh, on his website, steveignorant.com, there's a link to his shop where you can purchase uh, a copy of his book and also some releases from Slice of Life crass and some of his other projects i recommend buying it there because uh that way you know uh the money goes directly to him and the people uh who help make it so uh yeah anyway uh there should be more interesting um guests on my show in the near future so uh yeah just uh i hope you tune in for the next one later